The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The season could not end in a worse way. Your Kansas City Chiefs fall in the final game. 31 to 9 coming up empty-handed after the climb to achieve an AFC championship to get back to the Super Bowl your Kansas City Chiefs are obliterated in embarrassing fashion against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the first one the multi-loss or multi multi-score loss in the history of Patrick Lavon Mahomes a lot to unpack here uh, I left. Uh, I, I put a tweet out for for Chiefs Davis. We'll get some Chiefs Chiefs Davis tweets off, but also we asked for some appreciation for uh, how lucky we have it to be Chiefs fans. But this is a this is a tough one to swallow. There's no doubt about it. And I'm really hurt right now because I'm watching Craig Stout. I'm looking at Craig Stout in a suit and suit de- and dress up for Trophy Day is no longer undefeated. But Maddie Lane, I, where do we start? Well, first, we start with like. Yes, it's sad that Craig is dressed up to the nines and looking very handsome. But something changed. This is the first time that dressing up for Trophy Day has let Craig down. And I think I have to shoulder the blame for this because I decided to join him in dressing up for Trophy Day this year. And everything went downhill. So, like, guys, you can push all your blame onto me. This all If I did not don a suit for the start of the Chiefs game, yeah, I switched it out when it got pretty bad and I was starting to sweat watching this game in the fourth quarter. But you can blame me. If I never put on that suit, the Chiefs would have clearly won the Super Bowl. So it's my fault. I'm sorry, Craig. I ruined your tradition. Nah, it's dead. 7-1. and one, It finally ended. <laughs> It's dead. I'm not going to wear a suit for championship games anymore, as the fine people of Twitter with lots of profanities reminded me that I was never allowed to do this again. Y'all get really superstitious with stuff. Chiefs fall to the Buccaneers in a blowout fashion for the first time in Patrick Mahomes' era as a Chiefs quarterback. It's just, it was bad all around. There was very little redeeming to take from it other than Patrick Mahomes literally trying to will it on his own. It just wasn't great, and we're we're here for you. We're here to get it out, we're here to talk about the future, and we're here to kind of wrap up this 2020-2021 season that, frankly, I mean, the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Still not all bad, but obviously not the result we were hoping for. I'll, I'll contend this is the worst that could possibly happen for this football team and their chance to run it 
or to to win it next year. This is now six additional games that they've put on their bodies the last two years, and they have one Super Bowl to come away with it, which is awesome. But do it getting all the way to this point, all the way into February, and coming up empty handed is painful. The Chiefs lost their left tackle <laughs> on the way to the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes just put his toe through another game, in which is going to require surgery, and we don't know how long that's going to take him to recover. This, I mean, this is just it. Everything about this game is just it, just a lot of pain. Watching Mahomes try to deal with all that was a lot of pain. Watching anyone try to block pain. We haven't even gotten to the refs yet, which, like, that's a whole other subject. First off, I want to establish this, though. I, the Chiefs didn't lose because of the refs. They just <clears> made <throat> it look a lot uglier. Yeah, no, we. I think we should start with that because I do think it's something a lot of Chiefs fans are going to talk about. And I, I, I will say this. In the first half, there was a stretch there where the refs really did throw a lot of incredibly poor flags. I mean, they were bad calls. I think ex-officials, everybody in the entire NFL landscape has come out and agreed with that. But the Chiefs were still within realm of being in this game. They had every opportunity to still come back and win this game. And without any referee interference, they absolutely did not. Arguably, they played even worse as the officiating got better. So, like, we can put that entirely to rest that that's why the Chiefs lost. It definitely put them in a hole and maybe exasperated their issues that they already had. But that is in no way, shape, or form the reason that they lost. Definitely not the case. I mean, it, it the game ended 31-9. to Without those, it might still be a two-score game. Like, the Buccaneers were still going to win this. The Chiefs did not execute. The Chiefs' offensive line was poor. The Chiefs' receivers could not catch. The Chiefs' defense couldn't stop anybody, nor could they get pressure on Tom Brady. Nor Lack could of they, discipline. Now, nor could they find where Rob Gronkowski was in the middle of the field, which is literally the only place that he ever is. So, I, I just, it was bad. The refs were bad. Don't get us wrong. A lot of really bad calls. But this team did not come out to play, and the refs are not the reason that they did not win this game. Yeah, you could tell the the mentality of this team in the at the end of the first half responding to the adversity was abysmal. And that was one of the things that I really saw from that team and really did not give me a good feeling about this team's chance to run it back, which was really disheartening. Because we talk about championship swagger all the time, and we talk about how this team you know, is able to, to overcome the kind of adversity they have. They, they, they lost that game in the first quarter with their responses to the, to, the, to the adversity they were facing with the horrific refereeing. You saw, I, I, there's, there's a tweet out here, Herbie Tiope talking about Chris Jones saying no more than five times blaming the refs for this game. First off, Chris Jones was, Chris Jones, we, we knew that was going to happen to Chris Jones. We tweeted it out. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were set out to do exactly what happened against the Bills, where they baited him and it happened. And guess what? A drive got extended. A touchdown drive got extended. That wasn't the refs, Chris. That was you. And everyone out, there's so many people that responded so poorly to the, to the referees that they lost the game in the first half. And you saw their actions the rest of the game. Their body language, their effort, and their energy was sapped because they couldn't respond to that adversity. I'm sorry. 
that just fires me. Chris Jones is the last person that should be talking about the should be talking multiple times about the penalties. You weren't disciplined enough, Chris. Everyone and their mom knew that was going to happen, and you weren't disciplined enough to handle it. And part of the reason the team had to deal with adversity and part of the reason some of those penalties after afterwards is because you extended the drive. Quit pointing fingers. Just catch the L. Or he could have tried showing up at some point in time as well. That Maybe would have, that too. That would have also done good for me. I mean, we, we're we going to dig into this. I think we're going to get into everybody's Chiefs of Chiefs his takes. I'm going to start with mine though because I do have one specific one. I really do wonder if our opinion on Andy Reid and big games is skewed a little bit because he has Patrick LeVon Mahomes. There is a lot larger sample size of Andy Reid's game plans and teams not showing up ready for big games than there is examples of them showing up great for big games. And guess what? A lot of those positive examples have come with Patrick Mahomes playing great football. Now, I'm not saying Andy Reid's a bad coach by any way, shape, or form. I'm just simply saying that I do believe he has a tendency to come out flat in big games, and it's always been something that's going on all the way back to Philadelphia when he was the coach of the Eagles. When I got worried about this game, the moment I said, oh no, we might not have the good Andy Reid game, was the moment I saw the offensive game plan start funneling through McCole Hardman to start the scripted plays. As soon as I saw that, I was concerned for how the rest of this game was going to go. Yeah, I mean it, that's fair. Like it, the the offensive play calling was bad. It it really was. I mean there it, people are going to focus on the drops in the offensive line, but don't let that offensive game plan skate by. It wasn't particularly good, nor was the defensive one. Like Spags never adjusted to the fact that that Tampa Bay was just motioning their tight end late across the formation and leaking out into the flat. And Anthony Hitchens, who I have been praising all year long, had his worst game potentially as a chief. And I know that's going to shock a lot of people because they think that Anthony Hitchens has had a lot of really bad games, but he was really, really poor. He had that great pass breakup. That's about the only good thing that he did. He just did not look good, and Ben Neiman was worse, and Dan Sorensen <laughs> wasn't good, and Bashad Breeland wasn't good. Like, nobody played particularly well on that side of the ball, but they also didn't make the necessary adjustments that we've seen. Like, we didn't see the typical Spags game plan that we all kind of expected. He was in his bag for most of the playoffs in the end of the year, and then all of a sudden that just disappears. And then they execute poorly, and it's just the doors get blown off in a hurry. They started okay, but man, they just really didn't adjust, whereas Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians made the necessary adjustments, and you got to see what happened as the game went along. It just is bad. It is all bad. This game was a lot of details, a lot of little details that made this and exacerbated the issues of this football team. I don't know if the Chiefs would have been able to survive with the with the offensive line that they had, frankly. And I, I but I this game is not 31 to 9 if this team has the attention to detail that you would hope a team of this caliber, a team that has done such good things in the last 2 years would pay attention to, but offsides, little offsides penalties you know, on special teams extending drives, not having the discipline to not retaliate when teams are actively trying to bait you 
to get a personal foul and extending a drive instead of giving an opportunity for a third down in a close football game. These little things matter. And, I mean, championship swagger is great, but, like, I feel like discipline's got to be a piece of that, and they, this team didn't have that. They just didn't have it for, for for the entirety of this football game. There was a lack of focus. You saw I mean, the simple catching the football. Some the key players that this team has relied on: Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. You know, big drops. There's just so many little details with this football game that I don't know if this team would have overcome the issues that we that they had on the offensive line. I really don't. And we'll get there, and I'm going to go off on how I'm going to defend. I'm going to stand Patrick Mahomes. I don't care if I'm a homer later, I'm sure. But the little details for this football game on both sides of the football are just, it was stunning to see the kind of mistakes that this group was making. I think Patrick Mahomes came out and said it. Just the offense as a whole wasn't on the same page. Like That was how he responded to something. He was saying that, he was a little late getting some throws out. Receivers weren't running their routes to the spot he thought they'd be in. The protections weren't always being blocked to where he wanted the drop to. Nobody was on the same page. I think it was pretty evident. It was clear the Tampa Bay Buccaneers came out with a very specific game plan to force the Chiefs to play the old sports analogy left-handed, and the Chiefs walked right into it. The Chiefs didn't try to do their normal Chiefs things, or they weren't on the same page trying to do so. It got everybody all mixed up. Go ahead, Kent. I don't think this. I don't think they felt coming into this game that they could. And I think we watched this game plan. I don't think they felt any level of confidence that this offensive line would be able to do anything, and they were trying to overcompensate or to compensate, period, for this offensive line. And what it did is made this offense stale. It made this offense – I mean, and the results weren't good anyway. Because I mean, it, it didn't matter. They 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 tried and they could have tried to force their own. You know, they could have tried to force their will on this game and, and just say, you know, Mahomes on a on a toe that's going to need surgery. And I saw someone say the recovery time could be as much as six months on this thing. This guy is trying to deal with this and try to navigate this behind this offensive line. Like, yeah, maybe just try to establish who you are and and see if you can make that happen. But. I think this team was trying to compensate for the offensive line issues. But if that's the concept going in, if you know that going into the game, then come out with a game plan that doesn't put everything on Patrick Mahomes' back, and they still did that right. in the get-go. So if that was their thought process, they failed miserably at doing that. They didn't start running the ball until the second half, and I understand that the Bucks have a great run defense, but they weren't going at If you were afraid that your offensive line cannot block good enough to run a traditional offense then what you need to do is quicken the game, shorten it up. You just need to survive and give your team the last possession. And the Chiefs weren't trying to do that either. They looked like they were caught in no man's land, like a team that was ill-prepared to play the way that they had to after two weeks off, to me. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes said in his post-game presser that they took away the deep stuff. It's like, yeah, of course they were. Like, I don't think it surprises anybody that they went to take away the deep stuff. Like, that's what beat them the first game. Todd Bowles made adjustments, and the Chiefs weren't able to score as Every readily in the second half Every team does that to the Chiefs. It. Like, that's not new. Yes. That's just speak. Right. That's like coach-speak-worthy stuff right there. Absolutely. And then all of a sudden, you're behind a shaky offensive line. Yeah, of course they're going to take away the deep stuff and force you to play some of this stuff, knowing that they're going to be able to get home quickly, and they're going to be able to sit on the flats with their ultra-fast linebackers, which is exactly what they did. Frank Clark on the penalties. It's a win. It's a fair win. Tampa Bay won.
I appreciate that at least. Interesting. Frank Clark also said that that they got beat in every facet of the game. That's another quote from him. That's leadership right there. That's ownership right there. That's why Frank Clark's in that room. That's why they wanted Frank Clark in the defensive line room for leadership and accountability. And he was also the best defensive lineman probably on that game. Oh boy, Basic that's plays. not a high bar to it's clear. Not a high, there's, there's nothing redeemable about this football game. Frank got a, you, I mean, Frank got a sack. He had a drive. He had a drive. He, he had made a, a tackle for loss as well. But he had a drive. It was good. It was disciplined football. Stay around on that end round. But, um, I wanted to give everybody a chance. We we opened it up for Chiefs to this. You know, we're not gonna do a full Chiefs to this. I mean, there's a lot of ang- There's a lot of motion here. I mean, you, I, you could tell. And there's a lot of motion out there in, in, in Chiefs Kingdom. And we're giving you an opportunity to, to, to air your grievances. We're also giving you an opportunity to acknowledge how awesome you have it being a fan of Patrick LeVon Mahomes. So we're just going to read read a few um, and just kind of give you guys a chance to get your your thoughts out on the airwaves. Keith McClain, we got beat. It happens. The Buck de- Bucks defense has been on fire all game. We've had no answers, especially with no offensive line. Um Dylan Dutton says Pat has played an A plus game. No support anywhere from anyone not wearing number eighty seven. I don't know if it was a A plus game, but I think Patrick Mahomes played much, much, much better than the stat line indicated. And I will stand Patrick Levon Mahomes in this situation because he was pressured more than half of the dropbacks this game. It was a historic amount of dropbacks, the most ever by a quarterback in the Super Bowl ever in Super Bowl history and the Buccaneers did a good job of making him hold the ball a tick longer like we kind of talked about if we could if he could hold it on a tick longer so you know they I think they did some good stuff at the line of scrimmage made him hold it just a tick longer than he wanted to and that was enough for these guys to get home they disrupted the timing enough for Patrick Mahomes that he really wasn't there wasn't a ton of options for him. So yeah, they did a good job taking the deep stuff away, but I actually think they did a good job making him hold that ball just a tick longer. And what happened was all the offensive line issues for this Kansas City Chiefs football team came to light. However, my man threw a ball horizontal mm-hmm. and it hit the man in the head. It hit Daryl Williams in the end zone, in the head. Free, down the side, free play in the first quarter. Tyreek Hill hit him in the head. Travis Kelsey. Big third down. He made about four th- four throws tonight that were absolutely ludicrous. Four? It, it, well, maybe it more than more. that. might be more. I'm just saying, I mean, like, even- historical Super Bowl moment throws if his dudes catch the ball. It, it Ludicrous throws. There was a lot of plays where Chiefs receivers seemed to be just kind of, like, ready to... I- receive the ball none of them were attacking it they were just waiting for the ball to hit them and then they dropped it Tyree Kill I think had four balls that I would classify as you know 50-50 so yes maybe he comes down with a couple of those maybe he doesn't but going 0 for 4 on all of those that's not a typical Tyree Kill thing he doesn't let a ball hit him in the face mask and then let a DB like barely graze the ball out of his hands later on then let a ball get tipped and then get you know taunted to his face like these are all plays that you expect Tyree Kill to make one of he didn't Travis Kelsey had a drop while a defender was tackling his legs before the ball got there that's still a play though you expect him to make Daryl Williams has a ball hit him in the face as well like there was a lot of plays that could have changed the I think national perception of how Mahomes has played but at the end of the day he played well he played as well as he could have given the situation 
but he was unable to elevate the team around him, which would have taken a lot to elevate, but he was unable to elevate them to competent play. I mean, like, that is the, that is the final truth. Maybe it's not fair to blame him for it, and I'm not trying to, but he was unable to elevate this level of play and coaching to the ability to play competently in the Super Bowl. I think I will just throw the comment in here that there is nobody on the planet that could have elevated this football team <laughs> in this situation. Maybe not. To the level. I And this isn't even, I'm not clapping back at Maddie. I'm just saying I literally don't think anyone could have elevated. I would love to see Tom Brady behind this offensive line. Oh, that would be no. fun. No. That would have been a lot more fun. I don't know. Like, I congratulations on the MVP. This isn't a legacy MVP for him. Like, this is – I. I don't think he. I don't think he was the ultimate deciding factor in this football okay, game. Let's Blaine not. Gabbert we got too play much to talk about. We don't need to go down the Tom Brady rabbit hole, Kent. Mm, I just don't. I Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert would have beat the Chiefs today. I they they scored nine points. Yikes! They scored nine points. I thought Tom Brady played actually pretty well. Like I am not saying this is a great game, but I thought Tom Brady actually played a pretty good football game. So, like I said, I don't think we need to go down the Brady rabbit hole here. We should just move on to the next uh, I'm Chiefs division. I'm just saying, Patrick Mahomes did so. I I think Patrick Mahomes did more than anyone possibly could have. I I don't, I don't think there's any quarterback that could have sat back there in that situation. I just and think that, that I'm going by what he said, and I do believe a little bit. I think the offense as a whole was a little off, and I'm not blaming him specifically for it. I just sure. do think there were moments where he was not on the same page as somebody else, and I'm not quick to say that everybody else was wrong. I think that there are times where he could have got the ball out quicker to guys that were open. He could have moved through his reads faster and got this game a little bit closer than it was. But I'm not blaming him for the loss in any way. I'm just saying I don't think he played a perfect game. If you got no. perfect Patrick Mahomes, this is a one-score loss instead of a blowout. Right. I don't <laughs> I don't think there's really anything. I, the Chiefs were going to lose this football game. They could not overcome the offensive line issues. Or the game plan. They could not overcome the game plan. They could not overcome the lack of discipline. Just point blank. There was not much about this football team that was good enough. Nothing was good enough in this situation. Uh, Andrew Nagel can't win when your uh, ac- only actual starting offensive lineman is Austin Ryder. Um, Tanner Westberg, was this due to being unprepared or failing to execute, Maddie? I mean, I'm, I think it's pretty clear. I think that their game plan for this week was not great. I think Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians went back to the drawing board. And they said, we're changing everything we did from the first time around. We're playing entirely different coverage. We are not going to play anything the same way. We are changing up the secondary. We're changing up the pass rush. We're changing up what our underneath players are doing. Offensively, hey, let's live in 12 personnel so Steve Spagnuolo can't dig into his bag of tricks because all of a sudden he can't throw 14 defensive backs on the line of scrimmage and drop some, blitz some, blitz them all, drop them all, whatever. They made the Chiefs play a different brand of game than they came and tried to play. And the Chiefs looked like they just rolled out there and tried to do whatever it is that they normally do. Now, I do agree with Kent. The offensive line, I do think the Chiefs called a game offensively to help that offensive line out because it wasn't good. And <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work at all. But the problem that I have is you came out after the scripted plays. The scripted plays weren't good. You came out trying to throw the ball to McCole Hardman. Bad decision already. But you get out of the scripted plays. There was no adjustment. The Chiefs still came out. Deep stuff was taken away. Tampa was daring you to throw it short to the flats where they're super fast linebackers. 
and safeties or apex defenders could crash on it. The Chiefs were more than willing to try that. They weren't challenging the rail shots outside, the deep hole deep down the middle of the field. Part of it was because they didn't have time. Part of it is they just didn't look like they had a good plan to change on the fly to go to. You want to talk about execution. These numbers are from Bill Barnwell. Tom Brady was 10 for 13 for 135 yards and three touchdowns off of play action. Chiefs linebackers oh, were biting me started. on everything. Ben Neiman and Anthony Hitchens had their back to the ball just as much as they had it to the receiver. It just Daniel Sorensen, throw Daniel Sorensen in there. Daniel Sorensen as well. Like we've seen those guys not be this level of bad against play action. Like this was not something that I, you know, as we watched this team, they had been fairly disciplined. There hadn't been issues with this in the past. Not, I mean, it's not been great in coverage, but it's not been this level of bad. It really was like, they were biting on everything. They were selling out to stop the run even early when they were just feasting on play action. And it's not like they were really stopping Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette either. Like they were running all over him just the same. But Tom Brady was able to mitigate some of the pass rush by play action, by forcing the 12 personnel, like Maddie said, and forcing the Chiefs into a little bit heavier personnel forcing them to utilize guys that can't bail as quickly to get vertically. And it still didn't matter because they just weren't able to drop quickly enough to hang with, you know, 48 year old wrong Rob Gronkowski. They just couldn't run with him. He, they ran all over him. They were able to use play action, just utter failure against play action this past week. I think it's crazy <laughs> how, like how angry I was at halftime with the refs <laughs> and how little I care because this team just got pants in every fashion of like every facet of this football game. Like I look at then and I look at now and I was just like, this team just got embarrassed. Steve Panapinto. It was, a, it was just a bad game all around offense, defense, special teams and penalties. No other way to look at it. Jake Johnson, Eric Fisher is massively taken for granted. Myself included. Uh, Kyle coffee. Thank you, Patrick. You battled. You did battle, Patrick. I appreciate you. Um, uh, let's see here. Let me find a few more people. Uh, Trey Flip Primo Slide. Protect your investment. That's all. I feel like Mahomes can get it done with whatever receiver group. Protect him. Here's my thought real quick. I don't, I'm not mad at the offensive line. Okay? I'm not mad at the offensive line. The thing about this offensive line is it's their fourth and fifth right tackle. It's their backup seventh-round guard. It's Austin Ra The only starter, I believe, from the Super Bowl last year was Austin Ratter, correct? Stefan Wisniewski. Oh, Stefan Wisniewski does not Who was a backup count. all year long, yes. Stefan Wisniewski does not count. Stefan Wisniewski was waved injured by the Pittsburgh Steelers, who we found out in turn actually stink, and came here late in the season, and was not the guy everyone thought he was. It was not the guy we saw last year. He, may, I mean, it, this group, I'm not mad at this group. This group should not be starting. And it's football malpractice for this team to be rolled out as a starting group. But this team is literally on their fourth and fifth tackles. 
Laurent Duvernay-Tardif opted out. I don't blame so Kalechio Assembly. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's been so many. The attrition on this offensive line is unreal. And this is what speaks to how good Patrick. I know Maddie wants to jump in about the offensive line, but I know you can jump in in a second. But I think that just thinking about this is what speaks to Patrick Mahomes, a guy on turf toe who's going to require a surgery playing behind that offensive line, we expected him to overcome it, and we're confident that he was going to overcome it. That just speaks to Patrick Mahomes. Maddie, you have some. You look like you want to cook on the offensive line. Well, so I'm with you. I don't blame the offensive line because, I mean, what are they to do? They invest nothing in this entire position group, and then all of a sudden they finally realize that apparently maybe when you spend $8 billion trillion on a quarterback, you should spend money on the offensive line or something. However, I'm going to now question... Now, this is post-fact, like this is after the fact, so I am hindsighting here. Should we maybe not have moved Mike Rimmers from the position that he played adequately at all year to play poorly across from that and just dealt with one poor offensive tackle? Moving Rimmers to left tackle to play poorly, replacing him with Andrew Wiley, who played poorly, seems like a very bad choice. Oh yeah, you also put in Stefan Wisniewski, who played poorly, so like, what was the point of shuffling everybody around just to play bad when you could have just said, oh, okay, they're going to play bad anyway. Let's put Martinez Rankin at left tackle, deal with whatever he does, and keep the status quo of what was already performing below average, but at least good enough for Patrick Mahomes to excel as a quarterback. Why did we do all of this just to accomplish nothing? This brings me back to the fact, what was the coaching staff doing this week? I'm sure they did a lot of hard work. I'm sure they I mean, they did a lot. They know a lot more about football than I'll ever know. I'm not trying to say that. It's just this process, looking at it in hindsight, seems like a terrible decision to shuffle three spots around after all three played poorly when you were getting adequate play out of your, almost adequate play out of your right tackle and right guard before this. And Mike Rimmers is going to catch a lot of flack for two Super Bowl appearances now. Mike Rimmers was not supposed to be a starting offensive lineman on this team. This is starting at all. Starting at all. Or or Allegretti. Or Allegretti. Or Steven Wisniewski wasn't on the football team. Absolutely. This this is not, like, I I don't want to sit here and, like, dunk on these guys too terribly much. They're backups. This is backups. Backups and backups and backups and backups. Two of these guys are supposed to be playing at any given time. Correct. You're supposed to have your three good, you're supposed to have your, Stud book or good bookend tackles, and uh, and an an Andrew Wiley and an Austin Ryder starting. Okay, whatever. Yeah, and you've got one guy who, frankly, I mean, I'm glad people are looking at this game from the lens of Eric Fisher, who got destroyed in the last Super Bowl, but frankly was a linchpin, like to this offensive line holding together for most of this year, even when they were with backups and things like that. Eric Fisher is very important to this team. I hope he comes back healthy. Then you had Mitch Schwartz on the other side who's making stakes right now. So, I mean, he's... It it just was a bad situation all around from the offensive line perspective. And it highlighted even more some of the lack of moves that they made. Yes, they did sign Coleccio Simile. Yes, they did invest a third rounder in Lucas Niang. But Niang was not going to be a major factor in this team this year i think they were going to red shirt him so uh, think, it was really i think he would have been ready by now yeah probably yeah i, I think, think he I think he, he might have been. been ready by now right and laurent duvernay tardif opted out 
middle of the summer. Yeah, and you've had Martinez Rankin on this roster for two years now. Like you, he was part of a trade with Carlos Hyde. He's been on this roster for two years now. Yes, he did get hurt. Yes, he's coming back from all that. I mean, our guy Jeff Allen tweeted after the game. It's like, should have given the reins to Martinez Rankin. So, I mean, that tells you right there. That's a guy that played with that dude. That's a guy who knows what that dude is. And he's not even trying to, like, dunk on anybody else. He's just like, listen, that guy is talented. He should have been on the field. So, I'm with Matty here. You shook up your entire offensive line. I know that's what they did earlier this year, but it didn't look good then. It's not like they they were relying on a sample size where it looked good. So, it, it caught up with them, finally. Like I mean, we spent this entire week talking about how Patrick Mahomes last year played with backup level offensive linemen based on you know what the Niners did to that to that front. I think we we all three really did underestimate a little bit how badly this was going to affect an immobile Patrick Mahomes with that with that toe injury. I think it just really I think we did really underestimate that a little bit. I had a little bit more optimism that he would be a little bit more mobile than he was, but no, that was really still affecting him pretty badly. Mm -hmm. That two weeks did not do him much. And I think you kind of saw that with Ian Rappaport's report this morning. It was like, he's going to have surgery this off season. So like, I, yeah, that was very obviously a factor. Our guy, BK sports talk. I fully expect the chiefs to be in this game next year. And I don't think any other AFC team can say the same. Also, Brady has to retire eventually, right? Uh, Elliot Rowland, Mahomes is going to absolutely body the league next year. Uh, Nick Bowman, you like this one, Craig. Uh, Maddie, can we just skip the post-game podcast and go straight into the draft, please? Real quick joke, though, for real, though, guys, the, the offensive line class, we've talked a little bit about it. The offensive line class in this draft is very good. So good. It's like you're going to be very excited about an offensive lineman available. The problem is it's kind of been proven you can't just draft an entirely new offensive line. You're going to have right. to spend money. And unfortunately, a lot of the Chiefs' money is tied up. So you can't get a quick turnaround at offensive line group. It's a position group that you can't just expect to draft a bunch of young guys, plug them all in together, and make it work. And I mean, watching the Super Bowl, I don't know how you don't think the Chiefs need five new players at the position. No, I mean they got a rule. Uh, Allegretti was terrible. Now, as far as I do want to say, this, as far as draft season goes, I am excited to get to that tomorrow morning. As soon as I wake up, I'm flipping off from this Super Bowl to draft season. It is a good offensive line class. It's a it's draft season's always fun. This year is going to be especially fun because the Chiefs, unlike last year, there's like a very clear need for what the Chiefs need right now. So you have a pretty good idea where the Chiefs are going to allocate some resources in free agency and in the draft and probably do it twice as much as you think, or at least they should. So like that does make the whole process more fun. So like I'm there. It's just let me get one good night's sleep crying about this blowout loss. So you were talking, you were talking about wide receiver and defensive end, right? Clear. Clear needs, I right, mean, Maddie? We literally oh, need time both out. of those <laughs> time, <two>. out. <laughs> time out, Craig. Wide receiver is a massive need because massive. McCole Hardman so ain't it. He so ain't it. I remember there was some people out, out there last year that were going, well, 
You know, McCole Hardman just needs more touches. Just give him the ball more, his productivity will go up. Guess what? They doubled his touches, and he was the he he had the same number level of yards. We don't need stats not- right now. We literally just need to watch him coming out of a corner route with absolutely no oh. clue where he's supposed to run to. Like that's Guys, all you need to see. It had nothing to do with his lack of touches. He was what he was last year. He regressed this year. He is a gadget player that catches a few deep balls every now and then. And guess what? He really only caught like one or two this year. They have to manufacture all of his touches. And you want to know why he hasn't made any progress this year? It's the lack of, of attention to detail. Like lining up offsides on special teams or not watching the ball in, in on punt last week. There is a very obvious trend here with him. He is he can't he has not grown and progressed as a receiver because he has no attention to detail. And there is not enough trust built up from Patrick Mahomes with him. So guess what? Sammy Watkins, we didn't see playoff Sammy. Don't know what's gonna happen with him. He's not under contract. He really hasn't looked particularly good this year. He looked a little fluffy for parts of the season. And McCole Hardman so ain't ready to be wide receiver two. He's not ready to be wide receiver three. He's a gadget player. And he has been for two years. He hasn't gotten better. And it's because of the stupid little attention to detail, lack of attention to detail, that we see week in and week out. And it showed up again Multiple times in the playoffs. The redemption on catching an end around where he had two lead blockers. That ain't him making a play. It's great that he got back on the horse and caught a bubble and scored from the one-yard line. That's cool. That's not progress for him. He is what he is. And the Chiefs have massive needs at wide receiver, too. The good news is the wide receiver class is very good. Dang. Maddie, Maddie, I nailed the under. By the way, Maddie and I had a bet before this. How long Kent would go off on McColl? Something Nailed set me off, under. man. It's not Nailed fair. Sorry. I talked about him earlier and now, and like yeah, I feel like I, I stole you, some. You of softened. I you stole softened some of into that. Thunder here with this one, but yes to all of it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I can't do it. And I, you're it, a bl- it's, it's frustrating. Blinding. It's frustrating because you took a wide receiver. In the second round, traded up for two years. You ago. Traded up, yeah, and and and, and you still need another one, like need it a, a starting one. So uh, it's it's frustrating from that regard. It, it, not all hope is lost on McCall Hardman. I am more optimistic mm-hmm. than these two that not all hope is lost. Way to say face on McCall Hardman, what, but. What, when is it? How many? He hasn't done anything within the structure of the offense. I understand plays and gadget plays. There, listen. You want to get him involved in the first fifteen? You can break That's a fifty yarder every once in a while. Then he disappears every week. That's fine. Like I, it, he is what he is. I, I understand. Player. I understand that taking a guy like that in the second round is rough to swallow. Totally understand that. But the the, the point still remains. We all agree. They need a wide receiver because he's he's not going to be the guy. Well, here's what here's what stresses me out, guys. Moving forward for this team for the long term outlook of this team, they can't just keep relying on Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill for the next ten years. That's not going to happen. You better get someone in the hopper here. 
You have to land. You have to hit your next wide receiver selection. And this is an offseason question. That I'm not going there. But they need to they need to actually develop somebody that John Dorsey didn't pick. And I'm not even a John Dorsey fan. I know. Let's, let's, it's Andy. It's still Andy. Like let's just be honest. Andy picked Travis Kelsey. Let, let's move off this. Can we talk a little bit about how good Todd Bowles was tonight? Todd Do Bowles have to? was ridiculously good. <laughs> no, he, he was. He he's a man that got torched to start that Week 12 game. The Chiefs absolutely put it on him, and Todd Bowles came out and did an excellent job of taking away exactly what the Chiefs were going to do. Tyreek Hill admitted that they expected more man, and Todd Bowles came out and played more zone. I'm not sure why this offense did, but that's what happened. And the Buccaneers were able to feast on everything the Chiefs were doing because of it, and it took so long for the Chiefs to adjust to that and try and get into the game, try and mix up their calls, that frankly... They, they were so far behind the eight ball, it was really difficult. And Mahomes and the offense were having to push so hard to try and stay in the game, and they just couldn't. Like, kudos to Todd Bowles. They called a great game. I get to wait until I get to watch it, you know, the All-22 and see for sure. I mean, I'm not saying they didn't play a lot of zone, but I think I did see a lot of two-man stuff going into, which is what the Chiefs should have expected. And it can play out and look similar to zones. Like, I'm not saying it's wrong, it's just... It looked to be like there was a lot of man-match coverage with two deep safeties over the top. That would also align with taking away a lot of the deep balls, a lot of the deeper outside shots that Patrick Mahomes talked about in his post-game interviews. It looked like the Buccaneers played the defense that I expected them to play. So if the Chiefs weren't expecting to play that, what is going on to where they were expecting something else? Like I feel like... Not that Todd Bowles didn't call a great game, because I think he was disguising, disguising stuff exceptionally well. I think the fact that he was bringing so many defensive back blitzes early in the game really caught the Chiefs off guard, and then he just pulled it. He just completely yanked it out of the rotation for a while, and I think that got Patrick Mahomes sped up a little bit after so much pressure was coming. I think he was great. I just don't know what the Chiefs were expecting if they weren't expecting some version of too deep, you know, two-man coverage from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The middle of the field was open from play one, and it took the Chiefs like two and a half quarters to realize that they should attack the middle of the field to the intermediate level. So, like, I Seriously. don't know what the game plan was there. Good job for Tampa Bay. They outcoached the Chiefs on every single level all game long, but especially Todd Bowles called an outstanding game. There was, like, no rhythm at all to what the Chiefs were doing offensively, and I didn't, like, understand what they were trying to accomplish. And honestly, I think it just felt disjointed, like they are holding on for dear life the entirety of the game. That's kind of how I felt watching this football team play. And, I mean, it was disheartening. I mean, I just <laughs> – I can't under, I, I can't comprehend this. I don't comprehend this game yet, frankly. I really don't. Jacob LaRue, how many yards did – Mahomes cover on his scramble had to be at least 400. I mean, it was, was it was actually, we know from next gen stats, it was 497. Oh my Lord. He ran 500 yards or he ran around for 500 yards before throwing the ball. Yes. I'm just telling, I can't believe how like that man was such a warrior today trying to do, he was running for 500 yards around running like that for his, for his dear life. And on, no one was open on yeah. turf toe. Yeah. And he, some of the, I'm telling you, like some of the throws this man was making, 
it was just dimes. I mean, dimes. Dimes. There's no there's no other way to say it. He was I mean, he was delivering some phenomenal I if if Daryl Williams catches that throw where he's throw he's parallel to the ground, that just that adds this just another layer of of greatness that we add to like what Mahomes is capable of doing. Um, that big fella, the amount of times that Mahomes was under pressure, chucked a desperate ball that somehow still makes it into a receiver's hands, just to have it hit them in the face. Mac, that mask is astounding. You're right. Silver, Jet Chip Loss, he says, I don't even know where to begin here. Didn't expect us to get blown out. Not blaming the rest. We got straight out played. You're right. Yep. That's the thing. Getting blown out is is piece of this. I mean, just, it wasn't close. It wasn't a good game. And the refs share some blame there. This game should at least been a little bit interesting going into the third quarter. Or going into the fourth quarter, I think. But it wasn't. And, yeah. Um... <laughs> Jay Skull and I just want a hug. I want a hug from Craig in his suit. I got you, brother. Look, I'll, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave right after this podcast, drive up to Kansas City, and give you the biggest possible hug that I can. And then I'm going to fly to Carolina and wake Maddie up to give him his. Deal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, see, what was the point of the O-line being on the field beyond snapping the ball to Pat? Honestly, that's how it felt most of the time. I don't know if it felt like it to you guys. I, I watched so many guys just get cleanly beat. Just absolutely cleanly beat. It was like beat. he had a free rusher every single pass drop back. It, it's crazy. It was I mean, it, again, this is a backup offensive line. Um, <laughs> can't, is Kyle Wolfrock, is, is Patrick going to get these calls at 43? I... <laughs> It's. I mean, we've all set the baseline. We've set the baseline now that the refs, the refs didn't matter, ultimately in the decision of this football game. But can we at least laugh a little bit at some of these calls? No, they were terrible. Tom Brady. Everybody knows that that there was a stretch there in the second quarter where the calls were absolutely ludicrous and got off. I mean, the McCole Hardman. I'm pretty sure it was not Antonio Hamilton. I'm pretty sure it was McCole Hardman. Was called for offsides. Oh, they field goal the, the dots. We're gonna we make fun of the dots a lot, but the dots were very obviously McCole was way so off. I don't think those dots were correct. Um, I'm going to go way out on a limb and say those dots were wildly incorrect like they were when they said Patrick Mahomes once threw a ball from five yards out of bounds and which he definitely did not when you watch the game. So whether McColl was actually offsides or not, that's fine. This was a D Ford. He's half a foot offsides. His helmet was maybe sticking over a couple inches on a field goal attempt to which he did not block. Let it go. Nobody cares. That's a cry for some fame by the referee to try to put that one out there. We think that was absolutely ridiculous. The holding call on Charvarius Ward, that referee had no idea what was going on in the rest of the game. He just saw a chance to get his, you know, his flag on the television. He decided to put it out there. Calls like that, definitely. Whoever called the pass interference on Tyron Matthew in the end zone for playing oh the literal mm. textbook catch technique on a ball that was closer to going through the uprights than it was to being caught. I, I don't know what those people were particularly doing. That said, like we said at the beginning, the Chiefs very easily could have got back in this game with better play on the field. They didn't get it. The refs were hilariously bad, but I mean, just laugh and move on because that wasn't the reason. No. Uh, Adam Turner, 
I like this one, and we need to talk about this. We called timeouts to end the first half and gave Tom Brady another shot. We forget about everything that happened in that first half. And Andy Reid was terrible today, guys. Oh, I mean, there's really, I mean, and, and just top to bottom. I mean, game plan, game management was old Andy Reid. It was, it was a great okay, game. Tell and, him who asked about these timeouts in the DMs while it was happening because he was thoroughly confused. No, I mean, you're, you're not wrong. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this really quick. Yes, Andy Reid's time management has historically been a joke. Yes, Andy Reid has some fatal flaws, and yes, they popped up today. I still love Andy Reid. I want him as my head coach. I'll ride or die with Andy and Patrick Mahomes. That being said, the the third I, and two. I under the third it was and the two third timeout. Two. It was the third. The call timeout on the first one when you get we stop him for a yard. Okay, I understand. You're trying to make something happen. You're trying to get a score before. You know, you're trying to get a field goal because you know Patrick Mahomes needs 30 seconds to make something happen. Third and two, and it's a short two. I think it was a short two. And you call another timeout. And what does Tom Brady do? He throws it up and prays to God like he did with Scotty Miller last week. Mike Evans smartly because these refs are an embarrassment and an abomination and somehow the best that the NFL can provide calls a pass interference, a game-changing pass interference on a flop by Mike Evans. But Andy opened the door, left the door open. All that stuff that happened afterwards, the dumpster fire of officiating does not happen the same way. And the and, and the Patriots, almost said the Patriots, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers probably don't score a touchdown if Andy Reid just cuts his losses and moves on to the second But if half. you want to be even more confused, so if you're going to excuse those timeouts, it's because Andy Reid's trying to be aggressive and steal a possession before half so the Chiefs can double up. Fine. How come when you come out of halftime after being aggressive and having it backfire, you drive down the field, you are now down 21-6, to you have the ball first, and you opt to kick a long field goal instead of going for it on fourth down when your offense was already struggling. I just... Andy Reid's desire to call those timeouts to play aggressively and then follow it up immediately with a field goal attempt to play passively. It just, it again, goes back to my thing. I just don't think this team was ready for this particular game top down, and I think it showed in so many ways. It was so shaky all the way around. It was so shaky. I, I mean, I... It, it, we're going to be dissecting this for a long time and people are going to have a lot of questions about a lot of things. And it, it's just, frankly, nobody executed particularly well. And I think you see the people in that locker room that know it and know that they didn't do their job the way that they should have. Like they're, they're not out here making excuses. They're not out here trying to, I mean, heck even Bashad Breland who got done went, man, they didn't, they didn't want want the cornerbacks to play physical, but that's on me, you know. They still beat me up. Like he knows, like he knows he got taken out of his game a little bit, but he still wasn't quite good enough. Like that's that's the long and the short of all of this. This team showed up a little bit unprepared, and that's the conversation that we're going to have about this team. And this Chiefs team going forward, like now we're going to have this one. It's not the Chiefs epic playoff collapses that they can't win anything ever. They can. Now we get to have a conversation about 
Can they turn it on? This switch that they flipped in the playoffs, it worked against Cleveland and against Buffalo. It did not against Tampa Bay. And yes, the offensive line was bad. Yes, there's a lot of reasons why that could happen. But we're going to be having this conversation about this team for the foreseeable future, years into the future, because of the way that they showed up, the way that they executed, the lack of adjustments, the lack of a good game plan, like all of this, all of it around, we're going to be having this conversation for a long time because when you get blowout, blown out in the Super Bowl like this and you play like this, frankly, it warrants it for years to come. I think this is why people... I, us included and, and other people, when things don't look right, there are people that try to bring light to the situations and issues with this football team. Because it, it would be, first off, I don't think you listen to us to just all just for 25 minutes after every single game go, oh, this team's won a Super Bowl. They know how to do it. They're going to do it. They'll figure it out. There are issues with this there was issues very obvious issues there were fatal flaws with this football team that kept them from winning a super bowl and some of it was a lack of attention to detail and guess what part of that lack of attention to detail reared its ugly head several times this year some of these games were fake close very obviously yes i agree but also what led them to be close and what led to some of these games to be close that shouldn't have been and that weren't fake close the chiefs would flex their muzzles for 30 minutes and then stupid mistakes would come back to haunt them. And then the game would be close and Patrick Mahomes would have to convert a third down to ice the game. Little details matter. This team did not pay any attention to the little details. All right, final thoughts, boys. Maddie, why don't you kick us off? Just the final thoughts. Guys, I can't promise the Chiefs will be back here every single year like it's been the last two. I'm practically the last three. I'm in D4 at offsides. So just enjoy it. And there's no guarantee this is coming back in. I know it's weird to say to enjoy this Super Bowl loss, but there's no guarantee to say they will be back here next year. Enjoy being this good for now. And you know, you know what? I'm wrong. At the end of the day, they have Patrick Mahomes. They have Andy Reid. They will be back here again in the near future. You always have that to look forward to. And I don't think you're going to get a team that sleepwalks for 17 weeks before they decide to show up going forward. Yeah, I think this... this- Super Bowl will will kind of spell some of that for the future. Um, I'm going to bring it down just a second before hopefully Kent can follow up here. Whatever it is that you believe in, any good karma, positive vibes, anything like that, send it the way of that five-year-old girl that's in a hospital right now. I know there's going to be a lot of conversation about what happened this week. I don't want to get into it any more than that because we don't know any of the details or anything like that but send positive vibes to that girl and that girl's family that that's going to be the story that's going to be coming up here and there's going to be a lot of conversation a lot of media coverage about it remember that there's a little girl right now and keep her in your thoughts and prayers appreciate you saying that craig really do man um I don't really want to follow up with that, but yeah, I know no, it's okay. <laughs> I put you in a rough spot there, bud. Sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. Um, look, the chiefs were not going to win 15 straight Super Bowls with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback. Winning a Super Bowl is hard. 
and Chiefs fans just found that out. But am I, how happy am I to know this pain? And how happy am I to understand that my football team is going to be in the situation many times moving forward? You know, this is the downside. This is the, this is the burden of having a team that legitimately can win Super Bowls, multiple, plural. This is the downside. This is the pain you're going to experience several times in the next 12 years. And it's not because Patrick Mahomes is not the best quarterback in, in the world. It's just because that's the reality of the National Football League. Sometimes it's sometimes it, it's as simple as, you know, the the attrition of of the of the offensive line making you you know rendered useless, and I mean little thing, other little things too. But I mean, there's going to be things that happen in the next twelve years that are going to bring a lot of pain about Super Bowl wins. It's going to happen. It's just the reality of it. But I'm all in for this experience, good and bad, and we're all sitting here in the bad. We're stewing in the bad right now, and it's going to be a really long, painful off season. And it's really going to hurt to see the Chiefs picking 31st because we're just going to be reminded all year that the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl and blew it. But that's okay because I'm 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 riding or dying with my guy, Patrick LeVon Mahomes, for the next 12 years, and he is going to reward you with a lot of joy. He already has. He already will. And he will continue to. That is going to do it for the AP Laboratory post-game show, the last one of the season. Thank you guys all so very, 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 very much for li- for listening. Do not drink and drive ever. We love y'all. Be safe. Catch you later. Love ya.